Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I am Lou Rosenfeld, and I'm here with Sarah Bloomer. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Lou. How's it going? It's going great. It's the end of the week. It's Friday afternoon in <laughs> yeah. November, or no, I guess it's December. Uh, and uh, I am ready somehow still to have a great conversation, even though uh, a beer lingers off in the distance. Yeah, and the weekend. Oh, my God. Um, I can't wait for 2016 to be over. Just a few more weeks, this week included. But uh, a treat uh, to, to turn it around and get things started uh, off on the right foot for the next week is talking with you. Sarah Bloomer is the director of CX Research and Insights at Forrester. And uh, that's a really interesting place to work, I'm sure. Uh, and interesting, you can take that in any way you want. Being in the analyst setting and... Uh, certainly uh, doing CX work, which is something that's uh, that still means many things to many people. Uh, I'd like to kind of wrap all these things together in our conversation, but let me just make sure I'm clear, first of all, about the kind of work you do at Forrester. You're actually doing uh, research with Forrester clients and customers to make sure that Forrester itself is really eating its own dog food in terms of CX, right? Making sure that you're doing a better job delivering research and white papers and consulting and, and events. Yep, that yeah, that's right. So Forrester is one of the leaders in teaching other companies how to stand up a CX team and how to do CX and why it's so important. We talk a lot about being customer obsessed and how to do that. Um, but we didn't have our own CX team internally to do it for Forrester. We stood that team up about a year ago. Um, Moira Dorsey, who used to run the CX research practice, and I are the first two members of that team. So we spend a lot of time working on some of our products and um, talking to clients and doing, you know, doing analytics and getting data and putting that all together to understand our clients, what they're doing, and how to deliver a better experience for them. Well, and and founding a team there makes good sense, because my understanding of your background, this is certainly not the first thing you've started. Uh, Sarah has uh, has been an independent consultant and and worked with uh, um, a number of startups, uh, but in that context also uh, ran, created and ran a, a community of UX managers, which is, is pretty cool. And it, it, going further back, you're one of the founders of uh, the, the seminal Australian user experience agency, <laughs> Heiser, which is sort of like, I guess, if, if you know Yahoo on the West Coast or Razorfish on the East Coast, uh, it was Heiser in Australia, as far as I can tell. Oh, I love that, Lou. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. And, and uh, before that, you were working at Citibank, and you've been doing this, you're like, don't get mad at me, but you're like, you, you're one of the few people who may have been doing this longer than I have, 30 years? Yeah, I know, that's scary. Yeah, I start, in fact, when I was at Citibank in the 80s, um, we didn't call it user experience. I mean, I'm one of those people that can say back then we were doing market research, but we were doing design as well, mm-hmm. and we were designing ATM machines, and I was designing um, banking machines for them to use in the branches and and that sort of thing. And then I went down to Australia and and began to understand that it was usability and then it was user-centered design and then it was user experience. So it's been fun. It never stops changing. And and now it's changing again, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of dipping into this area of customer experience and 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's so it's interesting to me. Uh, I talk to more and more people. In fact, one of them uh, is Catherine Courage, who uh, oh yeah, you know she's she's actually with Richard Dalton. Uh, just started working on a on a book for us uh, called Design to Drive. Uh, or is it Drive to Design? Oh my gosh, I, I better get this right. But it, it'll change <laughs> because the book won't be out for at least a year. Anyway, um, Catherine has been uh, at Citrix when, when she was there and building the organization there. It was definitely like a UX slash CX organization. Do we need this slash? Is it really, uh, do we need to kind of call both out? Are they different enough? Uh, is this a cop-out? <laughs> That's a great question. I think that CX tends to include everything. I I think I always did CX. I often say that down in Australia we were we we were working with internal uh, UX teams or internal development teams, and so what you had to do in that case was design a system that fit into the broader context. And that meant that we were not just concerned about whether this system was usable, but if it was going to actually deliver on the business goals and de- deliver the experience that the that our clients wanted. So we always started there. We started with understanding the business goals and understanding the experience that they wanted to deliver. And then whatever system we were working on, we would design it to fit into that overall system. So I think I've always been doing customer experience. Uh, in a, and along the same lines, if a client just said, just come in and make it work and you can't talk to any of our employees, we wouldn't do the job because you can't do it without research. So to me, CX and UX have always been the same thing. But in a lot of companies, they're not the same thing mm-hmm. because CX tends to live in the marketing group. It tends to be much more quantitative in the type of research that they do or they go and get voice of the customer type of um, data whereas UX tends to be more about interacting with an application or some other type of device. So really a lot of people would say that UX is a subset of CX, that they are, they're like, they're not even cousins. They're in the family, the same family. And you can't really do one without the other. When companies divide them up so that the UX team is in the product group or in the IT group and CX is in the marketing group, sometimes it's really hard to bring them together. Um, But companies would benefit if they did more of that. So why is Forrester leading with CX? Is it because the marketing is a bit more of a a stronger uh, presence within the company's DNA or or why is that? Well, I I don't... I don't know if they're leading with CX because I did help stand up their UX practice as well as doing CX for them when I was a consultant. So they do have UX people, but the UX people sit with um, the technology group and they are working on things like the iPad app and the iPhone app and the website and anything that's digital. Mm -hmm. So, but, but don't get me wrong. UX isn't only digital experiences. It's also, um, in, in other companies, it would expand beyond that to include other types of applications. Um, that so, was well handled, by the way, because <laughs> I, I, I thought about what I was asking you, and, and having been sort of on the other end of questions like that, what usually happens to me, and this is not when I'm being recorded even, is I start sweating and getting uncomfortable, and it, it's very obvious to the other person. Um, I'm starting to like just think we don't really need to even answer questions like this to be honest right I mean it's you know it doesn't really matter it's all a work in progress 
Mm-hmm. And the labels have some value, but it, 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 it probably makes sense to de-emphasize them. I think maybe what's more important is where people sit and, uh, and what right. projects they work on and what tools they use. And, uh, but if you start drawing, uh, making really hard labels, you start reinforcing boundaries and barriers between, uh, and that's right. where it gets worrisome. I agree, but I think where those labels are helpful is to be able to identify that you have two different groups and you need to build those bridges. So if you recognize that you have two different groups that are overlapping and maybe trying to do a lot of the same stuff, or Mm -hmm. for example, um, a UX team might be doing a lot of ethnographic research and then a lot of qualitative research and learning about clients, which is sort of where we started at Forrester. Um, And then CX is getting a lot of really great data and you want to bring that those two things together and see what kind of themes and 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 triage the qualitative with the quantitative data so we we didn't have the resources to do the quantitative data out of the technology group but we could go and get it out of the cx group so one of the things that's certainly happening at forrester is that those two groups are working really closely together so when they do research i learn about it. When I do research, I share it with them so that we're constantly helping each other out um, and making sure that we're aligned because you want your UX to match whatever the overall CX is. Um, So one story about that is I was the director of user experience at Constant Contact. And when I was there, um, one of the first things I found on the product was that the instructional text was really stiff and formal. Whereas they had this fabulous customer service group that was warm and friendly and customers loved them, but there was a total brand experience disconnect between that person-to-person delivery that we mm-hmm. gave and the one in the on the product. And the thing is that these were small business users, um, business owners who used the product after hours, so they didn't always get to call those people. So what I wanted to do was re what I did. The first thing that I did was rewrite all of the instructional text because that was a fairly easy thing to do so that the tone matched the tone of the customer service group. And that way um, and then we started to think about how could we provide a similar type of service when the customer service group wasn't available. Now they're available 24 seven. But when I first started at Constant Contact, they weren't available. So we were I was trying to find ways to deliver the same great experience they got from customer service from within the product. That, I think, is an example of how UX serves CX. It's a great example. Uh, are, you, are there any examples of that uh, that you can talk about uh, in terms of the work you're doing now at Forrester? Well, um, we recently delivered a product we call the CX Index. We created a platform for our clients to be able to well, we have this thing called the the CX index that clients can buy to learn where they stand um, against other brands in terms of the customer experience that that they're delivering. So we created a platform. So it was a digital tool for people to be able to do that. But we spent a lot of time doing research with them um, together with the organization that we worked with to really understand the clients, but I was able to bring a lot of the existing knowledge that I had about those clients. So that's an example where we tried to really build in the experience that we want to deliver into that product. Um, So you could say that that was UX or CX, but my role was really to think about the way the clients worked Mm -hmm. and the way that we had to design the UX and direct 
the company we were working with in how that UX needed to be delivered to meet the needs of the users. Now, UX people do that all the time if they're doing their job well. Um, they're really understanding the context of use and then building that into the user experience. So um, that's, but I, I felt like that was one of my first opportunities to really think about the, the way, the experience we wanted to deliver. So we have a CX vision that we've de developed from all of the research I've done over the last four years. And one of them is, one of it is to um, support the way our clients work because they're all super busy senior people. Mm -hmm. so, so that was one of the key areas that we tried to address when we were designing this particular application. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the, the, the impact you've had there in, in four years, both as a consultant and now as a, a full-time employee at Forrester. Um, I'd really be interested in knowing about the culture there and how you felt upon arriving there and mm -hmm. how it relates to CX and to UX and how that's changed over the last few years. That's, I haven't thought about it in those terms. You know, I asked par like, partly to give you a, a, I'll ask a follow-up question, partly to give your subconscious a moment to, to, to roll it over uh, and think about it. But, uh, I mean, Forrester is an environment that I think a lot of people in the field are, you know, at least familiar with, uh, have an impression of, not necessarily an accurate one, but, it, you know, it's one of these things that's like everyone's heard of Forrester and Gartner and, and yep. companies like that. Uh, there are certain perceptions, um, and uh, you know I think there's probably a lot of curiosity about what actually happens when a traditional analyst firm culture bumps into um, UX culture. Is there been any surprising either compatibility or incompatibility? And if it's the latter, did uh, you know what's changed and have you gotten through it? I always like to, when people ask me what I do and they don't know what UX is, I, I always say I work with smart people on interesting projects. And being a forester certainly met that criteria because you are there with a lot of super smart people that are doing the research. Um, but the interesting thing about Forrester as opposed to Gartner, I suppose, is it's a bit like being in a candy store because UX people love to be constantly learning new stuff and you have access to all this amazing research and these people that are really thinking deeply about, well, there's a group that thinks very deeply about CX and they think about UX and that's why Leah Buley was there for a while. She was really bringing in the UX side of things. Um, so that's really fun because what you might be trying to work out is you know, how should I run this study or how can I reach those people? And I can pop upstairs and go and talk to a bunch of CX people who are writing research about it and sort of getting deep into what other clients are doing. So in that sense, it's like the culture is really nice. People are very collaborative and helpful and you have access to all of this this thought leadership that's really fun. And you don't see that in other places um, that I've worked at before. Um, in terms of changing and transforming Forrester, I think um, I think I have had an impact in getting them to to do a lot more research. Um, but they also hired this. They hired Joan D'Amico to be their VP of Digital Customer Experience, and she's been a great partner to work with. So that's also made a big difference in terms of being able to bring more. UX into the organization, and then from that, we were able to set up the CX group because they could start to see what an impact um, having that knowledge about their clients had. 
So there's a long way to go. We have we have other things we have to do there, but that's that's been fun. I mean, we, there was already a language in Forrester about what CX meant. It was just a matter of bringing it across into the way we talk to our own clients. So a bit, um, of, a bit of translation work. A little bit of trans, but it, it was more, it was a translation because people understand what customer experience means. I think I did have to do a bit of translation on the UX side, mm-hmm. um, but people knew what customer experience meant. There was just nobody doing it. It was just that simple. Um, so that's a nice way to go in where you don't have to convince people about what it is. You know, so it, that, it, that's great because I guess maybe a, a better way to, to have asked my question is I think a lot of UX people, um, you know, look, we're smart people for the mm-hmm. most part, but we don't have a long history uh, of being smart or even <laughs> being in existence yep. like other types of smart people. So, uh, you know, you go to, you know, I've had the experience of, of, of working, for example, uh, with the CDC, really smart people uh, in a totally different way, uh, not necessarily believing that, you know, I or people like me might be smart because we're, we're different. An analyst firm is full of smart people. Will they accept a new kind of smartness? Uh, I like to think really, really smart people appreciate other types of smart people who are different. Uh, it sounds like that's the case there, that you haven't really had this sort of pushback of, well, you know, we're the analysts, we're the really smart people out there, that's why we work here, and you couldn't <laughs> possibly know more than, than we know. No, you no. everybody, at least in the U. I, I, I work with analysts quite a bit, um, but part of what I'm trying to do is help them also deliver a better customer experience. Right. And because CX is such a major part of what we build into a lot of our research, it's not hard for, for the analyst to understand what I'm trying to do. Um, so so that that's really nice that I can help deliver a better experience for them as well as for our clients by understanding their experience. So I do a lot of employee experience work as well because the the way to deliver a customer experience is through its people, not just through its um, software. And we don't have that much software. We have our website, like I said, and and our iPad and our iPhone app. I guess what I'm saying is that they they don't have trouble coming and working with me. I can run workshops and get lots of information out of them. And I can go and ask for advice about how they might do certain types of research that you wouldn't get in other places because they're being thought leaders and talking to lots of other companies. It's almost like I get to have insights into what other companies are doing in their CX practices right there at my fingertips. And that's something that other or other CX practitioners wouldn't get. And I think it certainly helps that, that you've been in this field for a while, you have a, a stature and uh, a degree of experience that you know is very impressive and, and that that might pave the way in a way for you to have some really great conversations wherever you work Forrester, yeah. or elsewhere but uh, maybe a, a good final question for you is what about people who are more junior and maybe UX people who are starting to encounter CX and trying to make sense of it you know, it's not necessarily something they're being exposed to in grad school or at General Assembly or, or places like that. If you were, you know, going to give them a little bit of advice, how to make sense of CX, how it fits for them and, and how they fit in it and how to learn more about it, what what would you tell them? 
Well, I think that the common denominator is is trying to deliver a common experience, just a plain old experience, um, that you have to be in alignment with whatever the CX team is doing. So if you're in an organization where there's a CX group and you're a UX person and maybe you are in two completely different uh, parts of the organization, which is typical, I would start, there are two pathways into that to try to build a bridge, I think. One is through research. So if you've got research that you're doing that you, that they can leverage or they have, they're doing research that you can leverage, you should try to combine forces. It's, it's, it's also important, like in a place like Forrester, it's really important that we do that because we only have so many clients and we don't want to be hitting them all the time, asking them to participate in some study. So we have to be careful not to be bumping into each other. Plus, we're usually trying to find out similar information. So research is a really nice pathway. Or, and if you're, if you're a designer, you might just want to go and use the research that's coming out of the CX team. Um, the other thing to do is that a lot of CX groups are running workshops, like building customer journey maps. Mm -hmm. And again, that's one of the areas where we overlap because UX does customer journey mapping too. But um, I find if I offer my facilitation skills, which I do a lot around Forrester, I'll say, you know, one of my real strengths is running workshops and facilitating workshops. So let me come and do that customer journey mapping workshop for you. Let me help you figure out who your personas are. Those are really useful uh, skills to have. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it makes me think of a, a, a theme that, um, I learned from uh, Dave Gray some years ago, uh, boundary objects, where there may be things in common uh, that have maybe slightly different names, things, you know, maybe you're using journey maps and, and other people you're talking to are, are using uh, some similar term and, and looking for those examples and, and trying to draw comparisons and, and more, more importantly, see the similarities between them are really good starting points for having good conversations with people who are not like you. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for that great advice. And thank you, uh, most of all, for talking with me today. Thank you, Lou. I enjoyed it. And have a great weekend. Go get that beer. All right. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> right. Bye.